0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Open your Bibles. I want you to turn to the book of Mark. The book of Mark or the book of Mark. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. I'm getting better. Chapter 32. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Chapter 14 and verse 32. Chapter 14, verse 32, and we're going to have a look at this story. It's going to come up on the screen. If you don't have your Bible with you, it's going to come up on the screen. But maybe you want to read along on your phone or your iPad, or you've just memorized the Word of God and you know it, and you're going to show us all by closing your eyes and reading along with us. Let's look. Then they came to a place. Say a place. Say it like you are wide awake, you're on your third espresso, and you are excited to be in the house of God this morning. Say a place. Say it like you do believe that your steps are ordered by the Lord, and even though sometimes you find yourself in certain situations that you wouldn't choose, you continue to declare that God is guiding your steps. Say a place. Say it like you believe that you didn't stumble upon where you are right now by accident. Say it like you believe that God has gone before you and the only reason you are where you are right now is because God went ahead of you and He looked back at you and knew that she's got enough inside of her. He's got enough of God's Word inside of him. He's got enough faith to be able to walk into this place and come out victorious. Say a place. In case you haven't worked out, I came ready this morning to preach. If you're waiting for me to get there, I'm already there. We're only a few words into this this morning. And I already feel the Word of God speaking in through me and to me this morning. Say a place. Say a place. I want you to say it like the enemy's been trying to convince you that you're not where you should be. Say a place. He said He came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And He said to His disciples, sit here while I pray. And He took Peter, James and John with Him and He began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then He said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little further and then he fell on the ground. And he prayed. He said, if it's possible, he prayed that this hour, if it's possible, would pass. And he said, Abba Father speaks of those words, a level of intimacy with He's Heavenly Father and He's in a place of desperation. He says, All things are possible. You can do anything, God. I'm asking that You would take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, say nevertheless a key word right here that separates his flesh from his spirit. His flesh says, take this away from me, but then nevertheless says, not my will, but your will be done. Then he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, He went away and prayed and spoke the same words and He returned and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer Him. Then He came a third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? It's enough, the hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This, uh, I'm mindful that we are not in Easter just yet, but I felt this story as I was trying to sort of get ahead a little bit and prepare for the Easter season we're about to come into. I was reading this story and I felt God speaking to me through this and wanted to share this with you this morning. As we're really coming to the end, um, I was talking with Pastor Javon earlier about how significant um, I feel like this series that we've been in as we've been looking at purpose has been. How many of you have got something out of these last few weeks here in regard to your purpose? I know Pastor Javon continued it last week in regard to purpose and talking about being pruned as pruning being a part of that period of purpose and that season of purpose in our lives. And, and, uh, and so I wanted to look at this story as we sort of come to a little bit of a wrap or a little bit of a close um, to this series And I guess really in the light of, in two lights, one in the light of purpose for our lives, but also in the other light as we come to begin this Easter season, because we know that this story is so significant to what we celebrate and what we remember at Easter time. And this story is important because this is where our Lord and Saviour went into a place Went into a place called Gethsemane, and I want to preach from you, preach from this thought to you. I got it in Gethsemane. I got it in Gethsemane. It's important that we remember the meaning of the word Gethsemane. That Gethsemane actually means is made up of two Aramaic words. Um, one is is gath. It, it means wine press, and the other is. Gethsemane or Semeny, they say it, um, which means oil or fat. We know if you've been in church and many of us have heard this before in regard to the Easter story that Gethsemane is that place of pressing. Gethsemane is a place that we wouldn't necessarily choose, but we do definitely need. Gethsemane for Jesus was this place and the reason why this story fits I think so well into this topic of purpose that we've been looking at because we know that the purpose that Jesus Christ came onto this earth was not just to do miracles. His purpose was to ultimately redeem mankind and He did that through the cross. That this garden right now, this place that we're talking about called Gethsemane is a place where Jesus is essentially prior to this point has done amazing mighty works and He's opened blind eyes and He's healed lame bodies and He's multiplied fish and loaves. But it's this story right here that launches Jesus into his purpose in its fullest form, but it happens through oppressing it happens through this place of Pressing and this place of pressure where we actually see the Son of God Himself experience such a battle between His flesh and Spirit that has to grab our attention as human beings. As we look at these verses, we've got to realise and revisit how significant this is and this prayer that Jesus prayed was when He said to God, please, is, is there any other way that we can do this my flesh I do not want to do this nevertheless not my will but your will be done say a place this represents this Gethsemane is so Powerful because it's this is it's in Gethsemane um, that Jesus begins to question his purpose. He begins to ask God while he he accepts that there is a purpose upon his life to redeem mankind. He actually asks God in this moment: Is there another process that we could go via in order to achieve this purpose? He's starting. To, to question this, I've been saved now 15 years, been in ministry just on 13 years, and I've learned something in that period of time that you feel follow God long enough, you will find yourself at a place, say a place, you'll find yourself at a place very similar to Gethsemane, where you will start to actually question the very things that you used to preach and the things that you would pray and the things that you would declare and the things that you would believe. If you follow God long enough, you'll find yourself at this place called Gethsemane, where you Begin to question everything, and you begin to ask God Is this thing really working? It's not something that we want to shout about in church because if to shout about it would mean that we'd have to be vulnerable for a moment to accept the fact that maybe some people here in this room have actually been at that place before where you've got before God and it hasn't been pretty tweetable prayers that you've prayed. It's been those frustrated prayers where you actually ask God from the very depths of your spirit. Why? Why are things happening the way they are happening? When you pray like that, you've reached your Gethsemane. This is where Jesus is. It's this place um, where the pressure, where you feel like you can no longer endure The pressure, stay with me, it gets better as we go along. We're gonna walk out victorious, but we just need to get down to the deep just for a moment. It's it's that place where you're getting pushed from Either side is that place where you cannot, you, you feel like you cannot get out. Where it seems like prayer, while we say to pray, it doesn't seem to be getting the results that prayer should seem to get us. And we know that we're meant to praise, but we're praising, we don't seem to get those results either. We, we underestimate how hard it really is to experience a pressure a pressure and a pressing that ultimately the goal of the pressing and the pressure is to cause us to actually break. Now I know that that's incredibly depressing for us at 9.30 on a Sunday morning. We don't wanna hear about pressing until breaking but you have to understand that that's what Gethsemane is meant to do it means a wine press. What they would do in a wine press is they would get the grapes and they would stomp the grapes. As gross as it is and as much as we would not want to drink any wine that's had some mangy person's bare feet on it, this is what they used to do. And they would stomp the grapes. So they would put their foot on top of the grapes and they would push the grapes, listen to me, all the way down to the bottom of the barrel. And when the grape cannot go any further, the pressure applied to the top of the grape would continue Until the grape actually breaks and the skin of the grape breaks open, only then can they get out of the grape what they want to get out of the grape in order to make the wine that they want to make. This is what Gethsemane looks like. I know it's a pretty garden, and I know we like to celebrate it and remember it, and it's nice and it's amazing, but let's really look at what's happening here in Jesus' life. I promise you. If you'll open your heart this morning, you'll get some keys out of this so that when you encounter your Gethsemane, you can get out of your Gethsemane what God wants you to get out of it. And you will walk victorious. Say, I got it. Say, I got it. In Gethsemane. Is the breaking, Is the pressure. That's what Jesus is experiencing here. He's experiencing a pressure to a point of breaking. It's a, it's a pushing. I want you to quickly write down, I want you to write down four things because in this story, Jesus encounters His Gethsemane. We learn something. The first thing that I want you to write down is I want you to write down, you will learn what to leave. What to leave. He said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James and John with him and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death, stay here and watch. He said to one group of disciples, sit. He said to another group of disciples, stay. If you want to get out of Gethsemane, what God wants you to get out of it, you're gonna have to know what to leave. Because there's something about a Gethsemane, I wrote down what to leave, not just who to leave. Because sometimes the what we need to leave is people in our lives that simply cannot go with us. But sometimes the what we need to leave behind in order to get what God wants us to get out of the Gethsemane, sometimes it's a mindset, sometimes it's an attitude, sometimes it's a pattern in our life. You have to understand there's something about a Gethsemane that is incredibly lonely something about a Gethsemane. Jesus recognised this. Listen to me, I'm not just talking about bad people. We've talked about people um, throughout this series and we've talked about how people, the Bible says that the safety and multitude of wise counsel and we've talked about how people, uh, the right people can actually be incredibly strategic into you stepping into your purpose and that's true. But when it comes to a Gethsemane, something different happens because there's a level and a depth of breaking that God wants to do in you in a Gethsemane that nobody else can get for you. There's a breaking and there's a prayer life that you learn and there's a place of loneliness that only the Holy Spirit can fill that void. There's something about going to that place of Gethsemane where as much as you would like to take People with you, as much as you would like to take your friends with you, as much as you would even like to take your spouse with you, as much as you would like your pastor to lead you through it, as much as you would like your mom to pray you through it, Gethsemane is a place that you got to go at it alone. Gethsemane is a place where you got to even tell some great people listen, I love you, pray for me, watch on my behalf, stand on my behalf have but I got to get this bad boy on myself, on my own, by myself. I got to be the one to pray this in. I got to be one to declare this in. I got to be the one to believe for this breakthrough. Nobody else is going to get this for me. Like Hannah said, when she was sitting around with people celebrating and they were eating and they were hanging out and she wanted a breakthrough. And the Bible says she got up from where she was and she got to the temple and she left some people behind that were doing great things. They weren't doing bad. It's the difference not between good and bad, but it's a difference between good and great. If you want to get what God has for you out of your Gethsemane, there are some things that you're going to have to leave behind. You might be used to that way of thinking, but you need to check that at the gate of your Gethsemane and go deeper into the things of God. I love that the Bible says that He made a decision to go further. Say, God. Further, Too many of us, we've heard too many verses and too many scriptures and son, too many songs for us to stay where we are. Every time we read a verse, I like to look at it like God reaching out to us through the Word of God saying, Will you come just that little bit further? Are you going to stay where you are? Are you going to just do what you've always done? Or are you going to accept the invitation? It's a little taste. Will you go that little bit further? Will you dig that little bit more to get what I have for you in Gethsemane. You've got to know, you've got to know what you need to leave. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about in your life? That is time to leave. Maybe it's not leaving for good. Maybe it's certain people that is just for a season. That's what Jesus did. He said to the disciples, listen, stay here. He took three closer with Him and then eventually He came back to those three. Maybe it's a season. Maybe it's a season of just checking out of some some certain relationships and certain groups that you're in because God wants you alone. God wants you in that place of seeking Him, of desiring Him. I can think of my multiple times in my life where I felt like the Holy Spirit leading me. I felt the Holy Spirit leading me and at times it it didn't make sense. At times it it almost seemed weird. I remember one occasion when I was was just new saved, I was probably 23, 24 and, and we were getting together and there was people from the church getting together, all the young adults and it was New Year's Eve. So someone was doing a New Year's Eve party and and so I was there and we're at someone's house and everyone's hanging out and it was all good people. It was fun. It, was, it wasn't too crazy. It wasn't turned up too bad. It was about midway up, you know, Christian turn, you know, and it, it was OK and we were having fun. And, and I was in amongst people and... And the countdown was, you know, probably 15, 20 minutes away, you know, and it's good and it's fun. And I'm in the middle of all these people, we're just eating food. And I feel like the Holy Spirit just sort of tapped me on the shoulder. It might sound weird to you, but I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I want you to just get away and I want you to pray in this new year. And I thought, God, I'm about to count down. Like, you know, we <laughs> are you talking about pray? Like, pray... And then I tried to ignore it, and then I felt the Holy Spirit just pulling at me, at me some more. And as weird and as odd as it sounds, I just I said to my buddies, I said, "Bro, I got to bounce. I'm, I'm going to come back soon." And I didn't make a big deal about it. And I remember I got in my car, and it was about ten to twelve at this time, and I just drove off somewhere quiet that overlooked the city where I was living. And I remember I sat in my car and I just started to pray, and I just started to ask the Lord, "Would you move in my life this year?" And it wasn't. Necessarily, I didn't necessarily feel goosebumps and I didn't, but there was something in my heart that said, God, I want to dedicate this year to You. It only took about 30 minutes of just committing my life to Him afresh that year and saying, God, You order my steps this year. I don't know what You got for me, but I'm ready for it, Lord. I just commit it to You. But I think of time after time where I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, it's time for You to pull away. It's time for You to go a little bit further. It's time for you to to go a little bit deeper. If you wanna encounter something you've never encountered before, you gotta do something you've never done before. I want you to get away and I want you to go into your Gethsemane and get the breakthrough that I have for you. It says, he went a little farther. Look at this on verse 35. He went a little farther and look at this. And he fell on the ground. And he prayed. You've got to know what to leave. You've got to know how to pray. I wrote down how to pray. But I want you to hear my heart. I'm not talking about necessarily practically speaking, but I'm talking about how to pray in terms of a spirit, a a spiritual posture that we can get, this can get, we can make this religious and think that I've got to be laying flat on my face, crying my eyes out for God to hear me. No, 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 that's not how it works. It's, It's a It's a posture, a state of your heart. This is what we see in Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God and He humbles Himself before God. He recognises the power of your prayers is less about your words and more about your posture. We get so caught up in the words and what to say and how to say it and should I say this or... Should I say that and if I pray it like this and if I pray at this volume, then that'll make it more powerful and if I screw up my face a little bit more, that'll make me seem more hungrier and maybe if I move around and maybe if I shake and maybe if I roll or maybe if I shunned a bub or maybe if I spin around or maybe... No, 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 listen, you have gotta understand it's a spiritual posture of a humble heart that'll get an answer to prayer. It's coming before God, recognising that God, I need you in this moment. If you don't show up, I cannot do it without you. I need your touch. I need your presence. I commit this time to you. I declare your Word of God. You've got to know how to pray. Gethsemane will teach you. My God, Gethsemane will teach you. If you don't know how to pray, just wait. Your place of Gethsemane will come and it'll be in Gethsemane that you'll learn real quickly how to to pray because there won't be anybody else in there that's going to teach you. You're going to have to learn from God yourself on what it is to pray and what it is to believe and what it is to hunger and what it is to knock and what it is to declare and what it is to stand and what it is to believe that God is able. You will get it in Gethsemane. You'll learn what to leave, you'll learn how to pray. And look at this, he keeps reading. This is so powerful, Jesus. Jesus, this, this story is one of those stories that we sort of, like many stories around the traditional times of year, like Christmas and like Easter, we revisit stories. The problem is I think we, we revisit them. Sometimes I think with a, a mindset of, I've seen this before and, and we miss we miss how powerful what's going on is because it's become repetition. We read it and Jesus said to God, God, if this take this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And we keep reading and we forget. I wanna remind you this morning of how powerful these words are. This is Jesus. This is, this is the Son of God. He's God in flesh and He's come before God in this moment of absolute vulnerability. And He's saying, God, I don't wanna do this. I don't, I don't wanna do this. This is hard. This is too much pressure. It's too much pressure. That's what he was feeling. That's what the pressing is, is the pressure. It's the pressure. Remember Gethsemane, it's the wine press. It's the wine pressure. It's the pressure on the grape that breaks the skin of the grape to get out of the grape, what they wanna get out of the grape. Isn't it interesting that the Son of God is encountering this type of pressure in the Spirit that soon in the flesh, His own skin would be broken and the blood of Jesus Christ would soon be shed for us. That the breaking of Jesus didn't actually happen happened on the cross. It happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is where the real battle was won. We think it was won on the cross. He didn't win it on the cross. He didn't win it on the cross. He won it in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's where the battle was. We talk about Jesus beat the devil on the cross like it was this. No, He did not beat the devil on the cross. It wasn't a fight. Jesus gave Himself up. My God does not go hand to hand combat with the devil. He can finish the devil with one flick. It's not about that. He gave himself. He gave himself. He volunteered himself. That was the only reason the devil got to him. That's how good your God is. That's how able your God is. That's how powerful your God is. He got his victory in the garden. He got his victory in his Gethsemane and he prays this and he says, God, I don't want to do this. But this key word, it kept going over in my spirit. He said, nevertheless, that's powerful. Not enough Christians say nevertheless. We just keep repeating, oh God, I don't want to do this. God, why is this happening to me? God, I wish it was different. God, why am I? this. God, why don't you do it different? How about you just insert in there, nevertheless it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about my plans. It's not about my feelings. Nevertheless, say nevertheless. Not my will, but your will. It's the nevertheless that separates your flesh from your Spirit. It's the nevertheless that says enough's enough flesh. I'm closing that door and I'm opening the door to the Spirit and I'm going to allow myself to be led by the Spirit and not my flesh Nevertheless, he says, nevertheless, not my will, not what I want, not what I want, but what you want. you got to know what to leave. you got to know how to pray and you got to know why you're there. Why are you there? You're there to do what God has called you to do. Why are we here? We're talking about, we've been talking the last four weeks about purpose. You know what your purpose is? To do what God has called you to do. Your purpose is not to be successful. You will be successful if you're doing what God has called you to do. That's why Jesus stood and watched people giving into the temple and people that gave a lot that appeared to be successful. He overlooked them and He looked at one widow woman that gave two mites and said, she's successful. Why? Because she's doing what God told her to do. You're not here to be popular. You're here to do what God's called you to do. And you will not get out of the garden. You will not get out of Gethsemane what God wants you to get out of Gethsemane until you humble your own will, your own plans and submit to the Kingdom of God and God's plan for your life. I got it. But I got it in my Gethsemane. You gotta know what to leave. You gotta know how to pray. You gotta know why you're there. And lastly, let's look at this in verse forty-one. He goes through it. He goes through it three times. He prays this prayer fruit three times. He battles the flesh, and finally, he kills. He kills that flesh. That's when the death happened. That's when the death happened. And he came out, and he comes, and all like this. The disciples are sleeping. They couldn't hack it. And he's like, "Are you guys still sleeping?" Like in verse 39, it says they didn't know what to say. They're like, uh, not really, like resting, you know. Sorry about that. He says it's enough. Look at this attitude shift. It's enough, the hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, rise, let's go, let's go. What an attitude to approach the cross. See see how powerful it is? Once you've allowed your flesh to die, you can embrace any hardship because you've already surrendered yourself to the will and purposes of God. Jesus comes back to the disciples and he says, "Right. Enough's enough. Let's go." It's on. Let's go do this. you got to know what to leave, how to pray, why you're there and when to go. See, it's less about what you're going through and more about how you go through it. Jesus, Jesus, he listen to what He's saying. Listen to what He's saying. It's enough. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. This is I mean, this is a bad deal for Him. But He's not sitting there whinging and whining about it. He's saying, it is what it is. Let's go. Let's do what God has called us to do. I wish it was different, but I've prayed that prayer and I've submitted that to God. Now we're gonna go for it. Now we're gonna believe. Now we're gonna walk. Now we're gonna just get up and do what God has called us to do and trust that His plan is perfect and He knows what He's doing. Let's go. But He got it. He got it in His Gethsemane. Gethsemane, it's that, it's the pressure place. See, we love, we embrace, we talk about, we talked about purpose. Four weeks we talked about, and it's awesome. I got, what great, great little series. And we all love that purpose, amazing. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go do something great. Let's go be something cool. Let's go accomplish something. I mean, that, that you could preach that to unsaved people and they're gonna be all about it. Yeah, purpose. I wanna do good things. I wanna be successful. I wanna be great. I wanna have influence. I wanna be blessed. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. But what we do is we, we grab a hold of, we're so, we're, so, we're so excited, we're quick to embrace the purpose, but often we underestimate the pressure that's going to produce the purpose that God has for us. Jesus' purpose was produced out of the pressure of Gethsemane. When, when, when listen, when, when Cresta and I had Luca, and I'm going to close, when Cresta and I had Luca, we have Leah, when we first went to have Luca. They tell you, you go sit down with the doctor, you know, you do the little test and you go sit down, the doctor comes in and she says, right, sit down, we sit down. The doctor says, I have some news for you. What does the doctor say? You're going to have a baby. Yeah, and then we all go, ray, And then you do like 400 revealing parties. And photo shoots, apparently you do photo shoots. I didn't know that till you got married, but you do photo shoots. And, and, and you put under, under the caption, we're going to have a baby. Yeah, we celebrate. No, we're not. Don't get, we're, we're just on two, please. Please, two's enough right now. We're gonna have a baby. Because what we're doing is we're celebrating the purpose. This is what's gonna happen. Do you know what they don't do? They don't bring you in and sit you down And say, guess what's going to happen? In nine months, you're going to experience the worst pain of your whole entire life. You're going to come back in here wishing you were never born and it might last for three hours, but guess what, sunshine? It could last for 30. We just don't know. And you're going to lay on that bed and you're going to hate every single human being in that room. And for those few hours, you're not going to be saved at all. It is going to be demonic going on in that room. You're going to hate it. because we celebrate purpose but you've got to endure pressure But if you don't endure the pressure, the purpose will never happen. And too many of us miss our purpose because we want to skip over the pressure. But if you would embrace your season of pressure and walk into your Gethsemane, you'll come out of your Gethsemane with the purpose that God has called you to. But you've got to go to Gethsemane to get it. You've got to get out of Gethsemane. What God has called you to get out of you get so It's the pressure. It's the pressure. I called it this title. Because some of you, this is what you're going to tell people. When they ask you, why is your business so blessed? And in the natural, they're going to be looking for an answer like, well, it's because we had a great business plan. That Tony Robbins, bro, that dude turned me up. I wrote down all the points. And no, 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 you're going to have to skip over all of that. And you're going to have to look at them and say, why is my business so blessed? This is going to sound weird, bro. But to be honest, I got it in Gethsemane. Why are you so, hey, hey. Why are you so favoured? Why are you so favoured? Why is it that doors seem to open? What are you doing? What's, what's happening? Are you just going to be able to say, I know it sounds weird, but I got the favour of God in Gethsemane where He broke me down so much so that I got so humbled that He could trust me with favour because I got so broken and I got so beat up in Gethsemane that I was able to show God that He could trust me with the favour and it wouldn't go to my head and I wouldn't take glory for it. I didn't get it here. I got it in my Gethsemane. Some of you Some of you, people are going to say, where'd you get that husband? Hey, where'd you get that wife? Where do you get a wife like that? And they're going to wait for you to say ChristianMingle.com or HotChristianChicks.com or sweetsmoothmen.com and you're going to have to look at them and say this sounds weird but I got that bad boy in Gethsemane where I learnt that I'm going to have to trust in the God that surrounds me for my security and not the spouse that's on my arm. It was in my Gethsemane where nobody